You're listening to a message from Redemption Community Church, a life-giving church in Westchester County, New York. We pray this message encourages you today. Thanks for listening. I'm so glad you're here today because we are continuing uh, the series that we started last week called Eliminating Hurry. And it's inspired by a really great book called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry by one of my favorite authors, John Mark Comer. I would really encourage you to pick up a copy of this book. Best book I read all last year. It's been preaching to me for a few months now. And it's a really good one. Uh, In the book, there's a quote that's really powerful. Dallas Willard, a great professor, theologian, spiritualist, he said this, hurry is the great enemy of spiritual life in our day. And I think Dallas Willard was on to something. I think for many Christians, for most Christians, the number one challenge uh, in our lives that we face when it comes to following Jesus is we're just too busy. Our schedules are too full. We're running too hard. We're living lives of hurry. And most of us are suffering from what psychologists and mental health professionals call hurry sickness. Hurry sickness. Let's define it this way. A behavior characterized by continual rushing and anxiousness. Does this sound familiar to anybody? Anybody recognize hurry sickness? It's so fascinating that when you hear this term, hurry sickness, before you even hear the symptoms, you already recognize that you have some in your life. If you weren't here last week, I'd encourage you to go back and listen to the message. We talked about a few of those symptoms. But I think most of us are recognizing in this modern day life that we're living, we're suffering from, from hurry sickness. We always find ourselves stressed out, uh, burnt out, uh, always on edge with people, restless. And we recognize in so many ways that modern living is taking a toll on our lives, on our well-being, on our mental health, on our emotional well-being, literally on our bodies, on our physical health. But I have good news for you today. Here's the good news. Jesus invites us into a better way of life. Jesus invites us into a better, more restful way of life. If we'll just follow him. He's inviting you and me to follow him. In fact, here's what Jesus said. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 through 30. He said, come to me, all you are weary and burdened, and I will give you Rest. How many of you say that sounds good? Verse 29, he said, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now, last week we talked about what this whole idea of a yoke is all about. Uh, A yoke is a way of life. We have to remember Jesus was a rabbi, an ancient Jewish rabbi. When a rabbi invited someone to be his disciple, that disciple would take his yoke upon him. In other words, his way of teaching the law and the commandments, his way of interpreting the scriptures. Basically, the path that that rabbi taught was the path to the good and blessed life. And Jesus is telling us that there is a different and better way of life. He's inviting us to take up his yoke, his way to carry life differently. And so he's inviting you and me to follow him, not just to believe in him. Many of you would say, well, I believe in Jesus. I'm a Christian. I believe in biblical doctrine. Check all the boxes. And Jesus would say, that's wonderful. But, but to, to know me is to follow me, not just to believe that he exists, but that he invites us into a new and different and better way of life to follow his way. And so uh, over the next few weeks, what we're doing is we're, we're looking at some of the core practices and ancient rhythms that we can embrace as followers of Jesus so that we can experience the rest that Jesus is offering to our weary souls. Last week, I encouraged you and challenged you to develop your own, what we call rule of life. 
Go back and listen to the message last week if you missed it. Watch it on YouTube. But have you thought about that? How, how, do we, how do we begin to get more intentional about living in rhythm with God in every area of our lives? To love Him with all of our heart, soul, mind, strength. Today, I want to give you one of those practices, one of those core practices that we can embrace. I want to talk to you about the practice of Sabbath. Now, Sabbath comes from the Hebrew word Shabbat, which means to stop. What is the Sabbath? Let's define it this way. Sabbath is a day in which we stop work, enjoy rest, and experience the goodness of God. We stop work. We Shabbat. We stop work. We enjoy rest. And in doing so, we experience the goodness of God in our lives. Now, many of our Jewish friends and neighbors, uh, they observe the Sabbath strictly. In fact, some of you, you may live close to a synagogue and maybe you've seen your Jewish neighbors uh, walking to, to the synagogue on Saturday on Shabbat because they're observing the Sabbath day. When I was in Israel a few years ago, it was amazing to be there and to experience Shabbat, Sabbath, because there's a stillness, a rest, a peace, a quietness that comes over the whole land because everything shuts down. In fact, my dad got sick on Shabbat and we were really nervous because we weren't sure if there was going to be a, a walk-in clinic we could get him to. And we found one, but our tour guides actually told us, listen, get out of the car and kind of make a beeline straight for the clinic because some old Orthodox Jew may come in and yell at you for being out on the Sabbath. Now, I don't know what they would be doing on the Sabbath, why they'd yell at us, but that's what they told us. Like, that's how serious people take the Sabbath there. And so the first time we see the principle of Sabbath mentioned the scripture is actually in the creation story. Uh, the scripture tells us after six days of creating, God rested. Look at this, Genesis chapter 2, verse 1 through 3. It says, thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Verse 3, then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. So scripture tells us that God rested, not because he had to. Hello, he's God. He has infinite energy. He didn't rest because he had to. He rests because he chose to. He rests to demonstrate something to us as his creation to demonstrate that there is something we need. We need rest. And so the idea of Sabbath, it's woven into the very fabric of creation, into the way we exist. And so what does this principle mean for us as modern day people? Let me give you two ideas, two ways to think about Sabbath. And I would invite you to take some notes today. Two ways to think about Sabbath. Here's the first one, Sabbath as rest. Sabbath as rest. And that's probably not a surprise to you because that's one of the most traditional things we think about when we think about this idea of Sabbath. The practice of Sabbath is actually uh, included in the Ten Commandments. Let's look at this. Exodus chapter 20, verses 8 through 11. This is from the list of the Ten Commandments. Here's what it says. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you, nor your son or your daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. There it is, the reminder from the creation story. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. There it is, Sabbath as rest. God literally commanded his people to take a day of rest. And I want you to notice that it says this in Exodus chapter 20. It says, remember the Sabbath day. 
Why? Because God knows how easy it is for you and me as human beings to forget that we actually need to rest. That there is a day that is blessed and holy in the rhythm of our lives. And if we'll enter into it, we will enter into rest. Think about this. You remember important days on the calendar because there are things you need to do to celebrate those days, to observe those days because they're sacred and they're special. Think about it. Christmas and birthdays and anniversaries. Some of you have reminders in your calendar so you don't forget somebody's birthday. By the way, I've been unplugged from social media. If I didn't wish you happy birthday, I'm sorry, okay? It's not because I don't love you as your pastor. I've just been unplugged lately, okay? Don't be offended and leave the church because I missed your birthday. <laughs> but we, we have reminders that we set, right? Because there's a certain way we need to celebrate that day. Let me give you just a quick example. I'll pick on the married men since I'm in your category, okay? You married guys, can you imagine your anniversary comes along and you don't buy your wife flowers, you don't get a card, you don't make any re reservations at a restaurant and your wife comes to you and says, did you forget my anniversary, our anniversary? And you're like, no, I didn't forget. I just didn't. Make a reservation. I didn't buy your card. I didn't buy flowers, but I remembered it's on our calendar. Do you think she's going to be okay with that? Brother, you're going to be sleeping on the couch for a while. I'm just telling you. <laughs> we remember because there's something we need to do to honor the day. And God says, I want you to remember because I want you to enter into this rest that I'm giving you. Walter Brueggemann, great biblical scholar of the Old Testament, he said this, the Sabbath announces that the world is safely in God's hands. The world will not disintegrate if we stop our efforts. The world relies on God's promises and not our efforts. The observance of Sabbath rest is a break with every effort to achieve, to secure ourselves, and to make the world into our image according to our purpose. Oh, I love that. Sabbath is a reminder that God created the universe and you didn't. And if you take a day off, the world is not going to fall apart. As important as you are, as important as your work is and your career and your job responsibilities, God is reminding us, I am the one who holds it all together and you don't. So you can rest. And the reality is to enter into Sabbath as rest is really an act of trust. It's to say that, God, I trust that you are my provider. God, I trust, the, to, uh, I trust that you are the one who holds the world together and I can take a break. I can take this day of rest because I trust in you. Sabbath as rest. Here's the second way of thinking about Sabbath. Number two, Sabbath as resistance. Come on, everybody say resistance. Why don't you put your hand in the air, put a fist in the air. Sabbath as resistance. Sabbath is countercultural, especially in this time that we're living in, this modern world that we're living in. It's a different way of living than the world around us. Hello, New Yorkers. It's a different way of living. It's, if Christianity feels countercultural sometimes, if it feels like you're swimming upstream, you're doing it just about right because Jesus calls us to a different way. If you like the results that everybody else is getting in our broken world, do what everybody else is doing. But Jesus would say, if you want life and life more abundantly, why don't you try it my way? And so Sabbath is resistance to the ways of our broken world. Now, it's interesting because we have two lists of the Ten Commandments in the Old Testament, first in Exodus and then in Deuteronomy. I want to look at uh, how Deuteronomy records the command to observe the Sabbath. Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 12. Then we'll skip to verse 15. Here's what it says. Observe the Sabbath day. Remember, Exodus said remember. So don't just remember, but observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy as the Lord your God 
commanded you. Now look at verse 15. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt and that the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. Now it's so interesting that in the book of Exodus, the commandment to observe Sabbath is grounded in the creation story. We just read it a moment ago, right? Moses tells the people, uh, God rested, so you should rest. It's grounded in the creation story. What's interesting is in the book of Deuteronomy, the commandment to observe Sabbath is grounded in Israel's deliverance story. If you remember the children of Israel, the people of God, they were slaves in Egypt for generations. For generations, they worked for Pharaoh. They served Pharaoh. Uh, Their only purpose and value was how many bricks they could make each day, how they could make their quota of bricks every day. That was it. They were slaves for, for generations. And God took his people out of Egypt, but he had to take Egypt out of his people. He had to reprogram their mindset because they had developed a slave mindset because that's all they had known from generation to generation. They had been slaves working every day, seven days a week at Pharaoh's command. And so God said, no, I'm taking you out of Egypt. I'm setting you free. I'm delivering you. And now I want to give you a new identity and I'm blessing you to be my people. I want you to know that your value and your purpose and your worth and your dignity, it doesn't come from what you can do. It doesn't come from your work. You're no longer slaves. Your identity comes from the fact that you are my children called by my name, sons and daughters of God. And did you know that for us as New Testament Christians, that that same truth applies to you and we, we have been set free from the slavery of sin. We no longer abide in the slavery of of Egypt that represents our sin, but we've been set free to live as God's children because of what Jesus Christ has done for us. We're his sons and we're his, his daughters. But I think so many of us, we're enslaved to an absolutely unsustainable lifestyle, an absolutely unsustainable pace. So many of us are, are enslaved to the idea that the more stuff we have, the happier we're going to be. So we have to work ourselves to death to get it. And Sabbath comes along and it's an act of resistance. It says, no, no, no. We do not bow to the idol of more. That's our culture. More, more, more. Give more of your time. And spend more money. Go, go nonstop. Work more and more and more. And no, Sabbath comes along and says, no, we don't bow to the idol of more. We recognize that God is enough. Jesus Christ is enough. What we have in him is is enough, and we are going to resist. We're going to resist. Now, here's the crazy thing. In the Old Testament, God wanted to give his people this gift of rest after they had been slaves, and yet they struggled to receive it. In fact, if you read the Old Testament, there were even times when the Israelites grumbled and said, we were better off as slaves in Egypt. Can you believe that? No wonder God had to kill some people in the Old Testament. You would have too. I'd have killed them all. (laughs) And we can judge the Israelites in the Old Testament, but here's the reality. We struggle to receive the gift of rest as well. Bunch of New Yorkers in the city that never sleeps. We know our culture. We know what we're known for. Hustling, grinding, can't turn it off. Always got to work. Got to make it. We struggle to receive this gift of rest as well. The question is why? If God is wanting to give us this gift of Sabbath rest that restores us, why do we struggle to receive it? Well, I'll give you a few ideas. I think first of all, fear. One of the reasons we struggle to enter into rest and to receive the gift of Sabbath is is fear. We're afraid of what we might find inside of ourselves if we ever stopped and slowed down long enough to actually deal with it. And I know many people would say, well, Pastor Matt, I don't have time to rest. You know, I'm really driven. I'm a really driven person. But have you ever, ever stopped to ask yourself, what are you driven by? What are you driven by? I think for many people, it's fear. 
People are driven by fear. Uh, maybe it's this shame that I'm not good enough. I'm not successful enough. I'm not accomplished enough. I haven't made it yet. I don't have enough money in the bank account. I don't have the right house. I don't drive the right car yet. I don't have the right title. I haven't achieved the, the right socioeconomic status yet. What do people think about me? What will the neighbors think about me? What will my coworkers think about me? What will my family think about me? Because they want me to be successful. I think in many ways we're driven by fear. I think for some people it's just good old workaholism. Workaholism, the actual physical and emotional addiction to work. You know, research has shown that a consistent pattern of overworking can actually impact the neurochemistry of your brain. We got all these chemicals and hormones bouncing around in our bodies. And what happens is because so many of us find ourselves in this, this tension, uh, this tense atmosphere of working all the time, nonstop, that we literally have become uh, uh, adrenaline addicts. Literally, people can clinically be addicted to adrenaline so that you can't turn it off. And this is why for some of you, when you go on vacation and you try to take a day off, you find that you can't turn it off. That motor's just running all the time. Pay attention to that. Your body's trying to tell you something. I think another reason is we have a distorted view of our identity. A distorted view of our identity. You know, think about this. In our culture, it's quite common that when we meet somebody, we ask them, what do you do, right? I, I do that quite often. I ask them, what, what do you do for a living? But I was reminded that recently that that question hasn't always been um, such a standard question at all times and all places. One of my friends told me years ago from a certain European culture that he grew up in, he said, you know, in the culture I come from, it's not as polite to bring that up so early in the conversation as Americans do. And kind of like a note to self, a reminder there. And I'm not saying that it's wrong to ask somebody what, what you do because that's part of, part of who you are, right? But many of us, the family of origin that we come from or the culture that we grew up in, the culture that we're living in now has communicated to us that our value is based on how much stuff we have or what we've accomplished or what we do. It suddenly says to us over and over again that your, your identity comes from what you do, what you accomplish, what you produce. And let me say this, that part of what we do, uh, part of your, your work, part of who we are is what we do. I get that. If I were getting to know you, I would ask you about what you do. Not because I'm impressed by how much money you make, but I want to know what is it that you're into? What's your passion? What are your gifts? But listen to me, it doesn't fully define you. We are human beings, not human doings. Understand? We are human beings first. Your value, your identity does not fully come from what you've accomplished and what you've achieved and what you do at work. And so the Israelites, they had a distorted view of their identity. And so God had to give them the gift of Sabbath. You see, Sabbath isn't just about a break from activity. This is about God rehabbing your identity. Can I say that to you again? Sabbath isn't just about a a break from activity. This is about God wanting to rehab your identity to help you know that you are first and foremost a child of God because our struggle to rest in God reveals our struggle to trust in God. I think in so many ways, our struggle to rest in God reveals our struggle to trust in God, to trust that, that we are who God says we are, that we are his sons and daughters, that we are his children, that our value really does come from him, that we're made in his image. I think it reveals our, our struggle to, 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 um, to believe that our value really does come from him and not from our accomplishments. I know I struggle with that, to believe that God is our provider, that we are not ultimately our provider, but God is ultimately our provider. To believe that God is the one who holds the world together and not us, because in so many ways, we feel like we are the center of our world. We are the center of our iPhone, iPad world that we live in. I, me, at the center of everything. 
We struggle to believe that God really is at the center of the universe and we serve his purposes, not the other way around. Oh, don't get quiet on me this morning. I hope this helps somebody today. I want to give you three reasons to embrace Sabbath. Three reasons to embrace Sabbath. And I hope this will help convince you to think about putting this into practice. Here's the first one. Number one, Sabbath is a catalyst for your spiritual growth. It's not just a day off. This is a spiritual discipline. It's a catalyst for your spiritual growth. Um, Think about the things that we do, the spiritual disciplines that we do to grow spiritually. We pray, read scripture, meditate on scripture, fast, gather together like this on a Sunday morning and worship together. How many of you would think, hey, this year I can grow spiritually, but I can do that without reading my Bible, without praying, without spending time with God, without spending time with his people and not going to church, but I expect to grow spiritually. Anybody? No, I didn't think so. And so you have to recognize that just like we pray and just like certain times of year, we fast and we worship together and we spend time in silence and we meditate and all that stuff, meditate on scripture. The reality is Sabbath is one of those things. This is one of those core ancient principles that God gave to his people. Sabbath provides a God-ordained way to slow us down and to help us connect with him, to reconnect with ourselves. How many of you know sometimes you need to reconnect with yourself? You need to sit with yourself and be still in God's presence and figure out what's going on inside of you and to reconnect with those who we love. Here's what Jesus said. Mark chapter 2, verse 27. He said, the Sabbath was made to meet the needs of people and not people to meet the requirements of the Sabbath. In other words, Sabbath is a gift. This isn't a chore. This isn't one more religious hoop that you have to jump through. This is a gift I'm wanting to give you. And this is important because in the Old Testament at times they got this wrong. In fact, the Pharisees missed the whole point. And some of you might remember that Jesus got in some arguments with the Pharisees because the Pharisees didn't even want Jesus to heal people on the Sabbath. And Jesus was like, wait, you're missing the point. God gave us the Sabbath as, as a gift to restore us. And you're telling me I can't restore people and heal people on the Sabbath? Like you have missed the point. Sabbath was given to us as a blessing to us. This is not another rule to keep. This is a gift that God wants to give you to replenish your soul and help you grow spiritually. Here's the second reason that I think we should put Sabbath into practice. And a second reason it's a blessing to us. Number two, Sabbath sets us free. Sabbath sets us free. When the Israelites were in Egypt, we know that Pharaoh was their ruler. He was their ruler. He was their taskmaster. Pharaoh told them what to do, and they had to do it. They worked seven days a week, never got rest. Their whole life's work was to do what Pharaoh commanded them to do, making bricks all day long, serving, doing back-breaking work. And then God set his people free. He set his people free. And the sad truth is that many Christians have been set free from their sins by Jesus, but there's still a Pharaoh who lives in their heads. There's a Pharaoh who lives in, in their hearts. It's the Pharaoh of comparison. It's the Pharaoh who says, who causes us to look at other people and see what they have and feel like what we have is not good enough and that we're not good enough. And it's a Pharaoh. It's a voice that we have that's subtly there. For some people, it's the Pharaoh of fear. It's this fear that if I stop and I slow down, I'm going to get behind. It's actually a scarcity mindset, a poverty mindset that I don't have enough. And if I stop, I'm going to be in trouble. I'm not going to make it. I'm going to starve to death. Whatever. It's a fear that people live with. And some of you, listen to me, some of you are successful. You've actually made it in your career and you still operate with a poverty mindset. 
A scarcity mindset. Maybe it's the Pharaoh of guilt who guilts you and comes along and tells you that your value, the sum total of your value is based on how much money you make or how much stuff you have or what kind of lifestyle you have. These are the different Pharaohs that we face and they cause us to live in bondage. But the Lord says, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the bondage of Egypt and set you free with my mighty hand and an outstretched arm. I want to set you free. Come on, Jesus said, He's come to set the captives free. Where the Spirit of the Lord is there is freedom. We don't have to live in bondage to those voices anymore. We're set free to be his children, his sons and daughters. And so Sabbath is an act of resistance. It says, oh, I'm resisting those voices. Walter Brueggemann said this, Sabbath becomes a decisive, concrete, visible way of opting for and aligning with the God of rest. The God of rest. There are so many people in our in our culture that we're living in who don't even consider themselves spiritual. They don't consider themselves to be religious, but we got all kind of gods in our culture. How many of you know we got the gods of sex and power and money and materialism and socioeconomic status? And here's what, here's what Sabbath does. Sabbath comes along and says, no, no, we're not aligning ourselves with that. We're aligning ourselves with the God who wants to bring rest to our souls. Sabbath sets us free from this lie that we are what we produce. Am I winning anybody over today? I'm hoping you'll embrace this and say, okay, I can get on board with this whole Sabbath thing. Let me give you a third reason. Number three, Sabbath sets the stage for revelation. Sabbath sets the stage for revelation. See, there are some things that God can only deposit and download into your soul if you rest and you get quiet and you get still. Like, I believe God is wanting to speak to you. God is wanting to put some things in your heart. God is wanting to reveal himself to you, draw you closer to him, reveal his love to you in new ways. And I know many of you might say, Pastor Jeremy, I've never had a sense of, of God's voice in my life. And the reality is that's because for most of us, we're too busy. God's trying to get through to you, but he can't even get onto your Google calendar because it's so full. He can't, find a, he can't find an open spot to get in there to reveal himself to you. And so we got to create some quiet space. Sabbath creates a sacred space for God to speak into our lives. Let me tell you, some of my greatest moments where God has revealed something to me or dropped something in my heart or whispered something to me came during times of rest. When I was on vacation, walking on a beach or out in nature with my family, just unplugging from things or on my Sabbath day, quite often uh, during the summertime, I think about how I'll take a Sabbath day just to, to work in my garden. And I'm not the best gardener. I'm usually doing something stupid like weeding the garden or just trimming some bushes. Just something mindless to get me unplugged. I'll have a, my AirPods in, listening to a good book or some worship music or a podcast. And, and God will just drop something into my spirit. And it's not because I was praying, looking for a sermon or studying scripture because my, you know, I, had, uh, I was working. No, no, no. I was just doing something simple that rejuvenates me. And God, God spoke to me and downloaded something into my soul because I created that, that quiet space. Uh, Pete Scazzaro, great pastor, great author, he said this, instead of thinking of Sabbath as an imposition, we need to embrace it as an essential delivery mechanism for God's love. I love that idea. It's not imposing itself on us. Sabbath isn't coming along and it's one more thing we have to do. No, no, it, it's, an, it's, a, it's an opportunity for God to reveal himself to us. It's a mechanism for God's love. God wants to love you well if you'll receive it. And so where do we start? Let me just end by giving you some practical ideas today, okay? I know for many of you, this is overwhelming. Where would I start? Pastor Jeremy, you have no idea, like the speed that I've been running, how busy my calendar has been. Let me just give you some practical ideas to help you walk this out. Number one, first of all, pick a day. Pick a day. Could be Sunday. I know some of you, uh, you might traditionally think of the Sabbath being on a Sunday, and that's good. If you rest and worship, that's wonderful. 
Uh, I've read about some Christians who are embracing the more traditional Jewish Sabbath from Friday night to Saturday evening. Maybe you want to try that. For me, I take Mondays, you know. Uh, I kind of work on Sundays. And so I take Mondays off. I know you think I only work on Sunday, but no. All throughout the week, I had a friend of mine ask me one time. He's a business guy in the corporate world. He said, what do you do all week? And I knew what he was asking me, right? Like, what do you do all week? And I said, man, I do what you do. Plus I give a live TED talk every seven days. Like, get out of my face, man. I can work circles around you. Do you give a live TED talk every seven days? He's like, nope, exactly. <laughs> but I take Mondays off um, and I have to fight for it. I have to carve out that space. I have to be honest, in the early years of our church, I wasn't so good at that. And I've really learned that I have to prioritize that. Pick a day. Number two, make a list of things you enjoy and that replenish your soul. And so these are good things. It's not like we have to sit around and be, you know, legalistic about this and we can't do anything at all. We just have to lay down and take a nap all day long. Although that doesn't sound so bad. It could be reading a book. It could be a walk out on a trail. It could be sewing, knitting. It could be watching something on Netflix. It could be spending time with family, going to a good restaurant, going to the city and exploring a neighborhood you want to hang out in. Whatever, whatever rejuvenates you. Whatever God-honoring hobbies you have. Fishing, playing tennis. I don't know, whatever it is for you. Something that replenishes your, your soul. John Mark Comer in his book, uh, he uses a simple, a simple question. Is it rest or is it worship? If not for him, the answer is no. When it comes to his Sabbath, he runs it through that. Is it rest? Is it worship? So something that replenishes you, something that causes you to, to reconnect with God. And then here's the third thing. You got to prepare and protect. Prepare and protect. If you're going to Sabbath well, you're going to have to fight for it. You're going to have to say no to some things. I know this is true in my life right now. Even as I'm revisiting this, I'm paying attention to how things can creep into my Sabbath, how my personal to-do list is always trying to invade my Sabbath day. You're going to have to fight for it, which means your phone may have to go into airplane mode for a few hours on your Sabbath day. Listen to me. I'm going to tell you a secret. You're going to be okay. You're going to live. You're going to keep breathing. Your heart's going to keep pumping blood. You're going to be just fine if you turn your phone off for a few hours, okay? Got to get off the email. How many of you know? You know what happens? You check that one email, and then you get sucked into it all over again. You're going to have to make some decisions. You're going to have to put some boundaries in place. If you're married, you may have to talk to your spouse about it. You're going to have to work some things out. you got to protect it. you got to have a plan, or it's not going to happen. So be ready to say no for some things to some things and be ready to fight for it. That's what you're going to have to do to get this into your rhythm. And I know this is so overwhelming. For some of you, it's like, where do I even start? I'm not sure how to do this. I hope for some of you, this is at least creating a desire on the inside of you. You might say, I'm not sure how to do it, Pastor Jeremy. I'm, I'm leaving here today. I'm not sure how to do it. But I hope today the Holy Spirit is planting a seed of at least a desire for this. So you can begin to put some thought into it. And over the next few weeks and months, work this into the rhythm of your life. I know it wasn't easy for me when I first started to, uh, attempting to do this. And every few months, I have to really get back to reestablishing this principle in my life. See, Jesus is inviting you and me into Sabbath rest. And here's the truth. If we don't embrace this rest, it'll eventually be forced upon us. If we don't embrace the rest that God is calling us into, it will eventually be forced upon us. What does that mean? It'll be forced upon you in the way of emotional breakdown, mental breakdown, your body breaking down. As I said last week, your body keeps score. I was very vulnerable at the end of the message last week and I told you guys about two years ago, my body started sending me some signals that I've been running too hard, too fast. And so listen to me, it, it will be forced upon you if you don't embrace it. Wouldn't it be wiser for us to enter into it as the gift that God is giving us 
rather than to have it forced upon us. God is inviting us into this rest. And I wanna remind you that this isn't just about a break from activity. It's about rehabbing your identity. It's about stepping into your identity as children of God, as sons and daughters of God. You know, I think about my kids. When my kids go to bed at night, when their head hits the pillow, they're not worried about the bills being paid and things being taken care of and where their next meal is gonna come from. They know that mom and dad are gonna take care of them. My kids sleep well at night. My kids have never asked me before, hey dad, did you pay the mortgage this month? Never. <laughs> hey dad, did you make the car payment this month? Hey dad, can we afford this vacation? Never. <laughs> they expect there to be food in the refrigerator. They don't worry about that stuff. When they go to bed at night, they rest. Why? Because they're my kids and they know I'm gonna take care of them. Church, that's a picture of what God wants for us, that we can enter in to his rest as his sons and daughters, knowing that he's got us, that he's our provider, he's our maker, he's the creator, he's the one who sustains this crazy world and he holds the whole world in his hands and, and he's got us. St. Augustine said this, he said, you have made us for yourself and our heart is restless until it rests in you. Oh, that's a wonderful prayer. Can we just pray that out loud together today? You have made us for yourself and our heart is restless until it rests in you. God is inviting us, church, into this rest. What are we gonna do? We're gonna stop work. We're going to enjoy rest and we're gonna experience the goodness of God. But Pastor Jeremy, you have no idea how busy I am. Pastor Jeremy, you don't know how important my job is. Pastor Jeremy, you don't know what season of life I'm in. I got young kids. Pastor Jeremy, I, I get it. I know I've been there before. I've heard all of the excuses before. Listen to me, listen to me. I've heard all of the excuses before. You might say, I can't afford to take a day off. Listen to me, you can't afford not to take a day off. You can't afford not to embrace this. You can't afford not to work on getting this into the rhythm of your life because there is a day that God has set apart and called it blessed and holy. And if we'll embrace that day, we'll live there. We'll live in his blessing. He's inviting us into it. Let's receive this good gift. How many of you want that? How many of you say, Pastor, pray for me? Come on, we need wisdom. God, we need wisdom to help us because our culture is not gonna affirm this. Culture is gonna celebrate you if you work yourself to death. It's gonna pat you on your back. We gotta swim upstream with the help of the Holy Spirit. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for your word. God, we thank you that you are a good, loving, heavenly father. You are not a task master God, but you are the God who invites us into rest. You're the God who delivered us from bondage with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. You called us to be your people. You gave your son for us so that we could know rest. And that our identity would be that of your sons and daughters, your children. We wanna live into that. God, we're asking you to help us with this. Give us rest. Father, forgive us for the times that we've looked elsewhere for our identity, for believing this lie that our value is based on what we've accomplished. It's based on our work. It's based on our title. God, set us free from fear and lies and guilt and shame. And God, remind us of who we are because our hearts are restless, God. So often our hearts are restless in this world, chasing after all of these things. But we recognize that we find rest in you. Father, I'm praying it for your people today. God, I'm praying for wisdom. I'm praying for strategy. I'm praying for clarity, Father. I'm praying for conversations that need to be had in families for how we can embrace this gift, and this rhythm, this pattern of Sabbath. And I'm praying rest for our weary souls. In Jesus' name, and everybody said,
Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to today's message. If you'd like more information about our church, visit us online at redemptioncommunitychurch.org or follow us on social media.